welcome to episode 11 of Have a Blessed Gay, your weekly what? Spiritual comedy podcast. I am your holy host, Tyler Martin, who may or may not be recording this podcast solely in his underwear. Starting this week, I will be going down to the original schedule of one episode per week. New episodes will continue to drop on Tuesdays. As always, shout out to the new beautiful people who have joined this spiritual journey. Yes, you. Thank you for subscribing. And thank you to those who have reached out to me. Keep it coming. And speaking of coming, this episode is a little more explicit than some of the past episodes. And it also does have some subjects that might be triggering, such as cutting and suicide. We don't talk too much in depth about them, but if you do struggle with those subjects, please proceed with caution. Y'all, listen, I have quite the guest today. The activist, entrepreneur, motivational speaker, educator, and trans mega-adult film star, Buck Angel. What is life? What the hell is Buck Angel, the famous porn star, doing on this podcast? Well, Judith, it's my mission to showcase radically diverse activists who have extremely different spiritual paths. It's important to break down silly barriers of who can be spiritual, who is worthy of spirituality. Because guess what? Everyone is worthy. Following episode 10, which is all about the concept of spirituality, I think it's incredible to showcase someone like Buck, who might be shunned by most main world religions. It's a great example of how someone has forged their own unique way, still cultivating a strong spiritual relationship. There are so many intense reactions and opinions when it comes to body image, gender, and sex. A lot of times we see discrimination and demoralization in religion, society, politics, consumerism, and even in our health care. But I am a big supporter of sex education, sex work, and really, just sex in general. Like, we are literally created through the act of sex. So, shouldn't we be alright to talk about it? What is so scary? As a society and as a world, we have a long way to go on many, 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 many issues. And sex, gender, and body image are major parts in this sad middle school play. So we gotta talk about them, listen to others, and then examine ourselves. Buck and I had such a wonderful conversation, of course, talking about spirituality and religion, but also gender identity, asking for help, body image, and the concept of masculinity. I'm in love with Buck's open, vulnerable, and kind spirit. It was such a pleasure to talk with him, and I hope you find this conversation extremely enlightening. So come on, and let's listen to this awesome discussion. Here is Buck Angel, everyone. (laughs) 
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, the leading provider of online counseling. Y'all, the world is crazy and mental health is important. Some might even call it spiritual. I personally use BetterHelp myself and absolutely love what they're doing. BetterHelp makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. So if you're struggling emotionally, battling anxiety, or you can't stop crying after an episode of Queer Eye, BetterHelp can be there for you anytime, anywhere. Go to my personal link at betterhelp.com slash blessedgay to check it out and get what? 10% off. The best part is you don't even have to leave your house. They offer four ways to speak with a licensed counselor, video calls, phone calls, real-time chat, and direct messaging. All counselors have been qualified and certified by their state's professional board. In other words, you're not talking to a lobster dressed in human clothes. They're legit. All you gotta do is go to my link at betterhelp.com slash blessedgay and begin the questionnaire to match you with a therapist who is uniquely qualified to serve your needs. How sexy. It's super duper easy and you're matched within 24 hours or less. BetterHelp has a monthly subscription rather than paying per session, which makes it cheaper. But if finances are still a concern, financial aid is available for those who qualify. Get counseling, improve your life, and help this podcast out in the process by going to betterhelp.com slash blessedgay. Sign up today and get 10% off. That's betterhelp.com slash blessedgay. The one, the only, Buck Angel. What? Tell everyone who you are and what you do. I'm a troublemaker. Just kidding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am a troublemaker. <laughs> Most definitely. And whatever that means, right? Troublemaker can mean so many things. But um, sure. sure. So for the people out there who don't know who I am, so I was born female um, 57 years ago. Uh, and I transitioned to uh, a man uh, 24 years ago. Well, for those of you who do know Buck, um, we know you as the confident, outgoing troublemaker, um, <laughs> but also activist, entrepreneur, and mega adult entertainment star. Uh, but yeah, you hurdled a ton of obstacles and survived many a tough time before you got to that point. So please take us through that journey. I want to know about little Buck, Buckaroo, if you will, and uh, what what your life was like growing up as a kid. So so really, I just I want to say this. It's really important. I did not have a bad childhood. In fact, my parents were incredible. Like I said, I'm 57. I transitioned in the 60s. Like I transitioned actually in, the, actually in the 80s. But growing up in the 60s and 70s, it was, an, it was difficult. But my parents were incredibly amazing. And, you know, back in the day, we called it a tomboy, right? And I was just like a little girl who dressed like a boy. But I felt like a boy. And so my parents really on some level felt that. And um, I, I, I can say that really nothing bad of my childhood other than I got bullied and I got teased but I think that happens with anyone whether or not you're gay straight or whatever bullies just happen in in, in the in the in the demographic of children sure. but I would say the thing that happened was puberty and with puberty came breasts and with puberty became my menstruation and with puberty became things that happen in women's bodies and not in men's bodies. And so that really wreaked havoc on my emotional and mental state of being as well as my physical state of being. And that's where I started drinking alcohol. I started using drugs. I started cutting myself. I had suicide attempts and I, I pretty much survived all of that to be here today, to be on your show on some level. But you know, I, I, I had a, horrible um i would say young adult to mid-adult that was pretty much the most traumatic time of my life were your parents uh religious 
as so, you were yeah. growing up? Yeah. So my, so my father, no, which is, so I grew up, um, Baptist. So my, my mother's okay. from, from Kentucky and West Virginia. And so I think there's a large Baptist, uh, uh, contingent there. That said, I grew up Baptist and I had to go to church every Sunday and I had to go to Sunday school and it scared the living daylights out of me. And it was something that I felt very not attached to at all. And today I'm a very spiritual person. I'm not Christian. I'm not any organized type of religion. I believe in spirituality and I believe however that is for you. But for me, I was raised in the church and for some reason it just never sat with me. And specifically in the Baptist church, what I felt from that was a lot of shaming, a lot of this idea that you are a sinner. And even at 10 years old, I just remember feeling so distanced from it all and so much not can no just not connected to it that I would cry. <laughs> I would cry and cry and cry until I didn't have to go to church anymore. And then I stopped going, but my other but my I have an older sister and younger sister. They kept going. They they continued to go. And today they're very much into the Christian faith. And they, you know, they go to church and they do all that. But I, I do not. Well that's great though that you had parents that were willing and allowed you not to do that and didn't force it down your throat. That's awesome. Yeah, it is actually I think it's why I don't have a negative, uh, uh, a native negative feeling today around it because my parents were just, my mom was just like, okay, well, we're, you know, you just don't have to go. Even though she would have loved for me to go and today, you know, my mom still goes to church and my sisters do, but you know, yeah, I think it is really great that they didn't make it where it was like, no, if you don't go, you're a sinner and you're going to die kind of thing. I mean, yeah, cause that's how it unfortunately is for so many people out there. Uh, so that's amazing. The things that were like, when I had to go to church, I had to put on a dress, putting on a dress was equivalent to being, you know, spanked for me. That's how bad it felt to me. It never felt positive. It always felt negative to me. And it would send me into a spiral of, of, of self-doubt, of hate, of, you know, it's like sometimes when I would cut myself, I would just feel like, you know, nobody understands me. Cutting was a big part of my life. And I would take razor blades and cut my arms. And that was like when I got to be around 15 or 16 and the alcohol started to come in to play. And then I just had a lot of self-hate because nobody understood me. They just, you know, then they equated me to being a gay woman. And not that that's a bad thing, but, you know, it was about my gender and not about my sexuality. Yeah, and it just wasn't you. I think a lot of people are confused when um, they haven't cut or they haven't been around anyone who has hurt themselves physically. So would you kind of like explain that to you? Just like what, and it's different for each person, obviously, but for you specifically, like what was that and why, why did you start doing that? Yeah. So, so for people out there, cutting is a, is a something that is very prevalent in young adults, really. I think adults do it too, but really in the youth. And so for, for people who cut, what we do is we take objects like sharp objects. I always found razor blades and we just cut in certain places. It could be anywhere on your body. I used to cut my forearms a lot because it was just accessible and you would cut and it just is a form of relief because the pain of the cut is more painful than the pain in your heart or your pain in your head. And so it in some way takes the tension away from the pain in your heart. I, I like to equate it also with putting a, you know, a, a, a poking a balloon and letting the air out. It's sort of letting this anger air out on some level. It is not healthy. It is not good. It is not something I'm saying for people to do. It is something we do do. 
in order to create a space for us not to have to feel the pain. And so people don't know about cutting is something that's really, really out there. And when I talk about it on my Instagram, whatever, I always have a lot of young youth come to me and say, you know, Trampa, I'm a cutter and I don't want to talk to anybody about it. And, you know, it's something that is really big that I noticed in the trans community. And um, so that's why I'm actually really open and I talk about it because it's something that people don't know about, but it's very prevalent. And you also use, like you said, um, oh, drugs yeah. and alcohol to also uh, yes. try and try to get some help. So how did you get into So you got into it as a, as a young adult and teenager. How did you get into the drugs and alcohol? Oh, God, just like every other teenager does, especially teenagers who aren't feeling comfortable in their space. I didn't really get into hardcore drugs until out of high school. That's so rough. And that definitely obviously took a toll on you. And I believe from hearing other stuff from you, that also took a toll on your relationship with your family. And you began to become a little distant before uh, you kind of um, came out of that. So would you mind just talking through that uh, transition of your life? Yeah, it's great. Thank you for asking about that because a lot of people, it doesn't matter where in the LGBTQ spectrum or outside, have problems with their families when they're different or they're not. And so my family really tried, like I said, they tried. I in no way, shape or form blame my family. I feel for parents today who are dealing with maybe trans kids or gay kids. It's a difficult space when you don't know how to handle it, especially my parents doing this in the 70s and the 80s. And eventually, you know, I just lost contact with them. They decided that they didn't want to be around me anymore because I was such a bad person. I was stealing money from them. I was, you know, calling up drunk and wasted to borrow money. And eventually I just ended up homeless. They disconnected from me for three years. I didn't talk to my family and I ended up homeless and living on the streets uh, here in Los Angeles and just roaming and becoming really a crack. I became a crackhead and a prostitute to survive because I had nothing and nobody. And it was really a very, um, it, it was the low point, I would say, a lot of my life, but also the high point because I can use that to show that, you know, passion to become and to survive is everything. And if you have the passion to survive, you will find the means and the way to get to the space you need to get to. And what was that space for you? How did you end up finding your next step? So for me, it was sobriety. And so I was I was lucky that I remembered one person's number in a, in, a, in a state of total drunkenness, out of control, not knowing where I was and knowing if I did not. I knew I said I actually I actually spoke to God at that point. I said, God, I know if I don't get sober, I'm going to die. I remember just saying that on the streets like so drunk. And then like I there was pay phones back in the day. I didn't even I didn't really even grow up with with what we have today, none of this digital stuff. And so I remember this person's number who was an ex-girlfriend and I called her and I said, I'm going to die. And she said, I will help you this one last time if you promise to get sober. And so she in some level saved my life. She got me into a rehab and that was the catalyst, sobriety and a clean mind and being able to see through everything was the catalyst for me to be sitting here today for sure. And that's where my spirituality comes into play. My spirituality of saying, I talk to God, God to me is the universe. And the universe said, well, if you're willing to come and meet me in the middle, we can make this happen. That's the thing that people don't understand. You don't just get saved. There's there's no like giant hand of God that comes down and like pulls you out. You have to be willing to participate in your life. And you have to be willing to participate in the future of getting yourself into that space. It's not just like, it's just going to happen. So that's a really important part of my story. I was willing to participate in my sobriety, which made me willing to participate in getting out of that bad space. 
you have to know that you have something to give, which you obviously do and you have, and that you were able to see that and were able to believe enough in yourself to to give yourself that that time and space is really amazing. Thank you, my friend. No, I I feel blessed. And when people like you give me space to talk about this, that is also why it's important. So you connect with me. We talk about these stories there. Believe me, you know this kiddo. There are tons of kids like me out there today, whether they're feeling gay or trans or whatever, they're still dealing with what I dealt with 20, 30 years ago. And that's why your podcast is important because we need to have voices of me, of elders who survived so that these kids can see, yes, it isn't the end of the world because you didn't come out to your parents or it isn't the end of the world because you maybe be homeless today. But as you see, I was homeless and today I'm very, I'm very, <laughs> I'm very happy. I have everything I've ever wanted. Yeah, no, history repeats itself and it will always unfortunately yep. repeat itself. Yep. Um, when we didn't know as much about transitional surgery, um, how did you how did you even know of it? How were you introduced to the idea? How did that journey start for you? Yeah, great question. You know, again, remember how old I am, 57. I transitioned 24 years ago. We didn't have technology back then. We didn't. I think computers were just coming in. We might have just started with cell phones, but I had none of that stuff at my fingertips. What I did have was an amazing therapist. And this woman I started to see, uh, Casey is her name, Casey Weitzman, and she was new in practice and she was a gay woman. And so I remember I was kind of tired of going to therapists because they would just say, you're a very male-identified female. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? <laughs> does that even mean? <laughs> so I, I got tired and I just would stop even talking in therapy and I stopped going. And then I realized I needed to go back. So I found this therapist and I remember I sat in her office for a month for 45 minutes a session and I would never say anything. And then at the end of the session, she would say, okay, Buck, I'll see you next session. <laughs> then it became like the fourth session. I was just like, dude, you got to, you're paying, <laughs> you're paying money. You got to like say something. Say so something. <laughs> I was tired of saying it. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm tired of saying and people saying, well, no, you're not. And then I just was like, you know, I said, I feel like a boy. And I was just waiting. I was just waiting for her. Well, well, you're just a male. <laughs> And she literally said to me, I know. And I was like, what? And wow. it, it was like insane. Like I was like, what? I didn't, couldn't even believe. She said, I know, Buck. I, I hear you and I feel you. What does that mean? And then we just started the conversation. And I remember crying, the whole thing. It still makes me want to cry now because she literally saved my life. She was the first person who said to me, I hear you, Buck. And I know, what can we do? And so she helped me sort of, we looked to try to find out. There were no programs back in the day. There was no information. There was nothing. There was Stanford University was putting together a, a gender dysphoria section in their in their university, but they never contacted me back. And then eventually I went to a bookstore and I found this book called Transgender Male to Female Resource Guide. I still have that book because that book also saved my life. And in it, I found a doctor who did hormonal therapy for males to females. And then I remember called him up and he was, Dr. Leave was his name. And he was like 80 years old. And he's like, <laughs> I've been doing this for 30 years. And I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. I don't know if this is cool or not. But then I was like, well, I don't really have a choice. And he's like, bring a note from your therapist. The doctor said to me, you know, Buck, I've never worked with women becoming men, FTMs before, but I'm willing to do this with you. But you need to understand that you're going to be my guinea pig. You literally said that to me. That is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't have a choice, dude. Like, seriously. And then my mantra back in the day was, if it doesn't work out, I'll just kill myself. 
Like, like if it doesn't work, I'll go have a hamburger and, you know, fries. Like it literally meant nothing to me other than the fact that it was my safety net. Like I literally would have just killed myself without even thinking twice about it. And, and, um, so we did and it clearly it worked. And from there I found, uh, in the same book I went back to and I found a top surgeon who basically what we call people who remove our breasts. And he, was at UCLA and he was a urologist and he basically brought a something back from another country, a surgeon, a surgery. And he said, uh, I've never done this before and I'd like to try it on you. And I'm like, that sounds familiar. And so then both of my doctors basically experimented on me, but it was really honestly changed my life. I would not be sitting here today without those doctors who made the effort to do things that they didn't even know how to do in order to save my life. So that was my sort of like in a nutshell, me becoming, you know, this man physically turning my body from a female to male through surgery and hormones. Well, so here you are, you learned to respect, to accept yourself and 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 love what um, you are inside and out and capitalize on what made you different, what made you special. And I remember, so when I was first introduced to you, uh, I was a teenager watching porn, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. And I stumbled upon a video you were in. And, okay, so for everyone who doesn't know, um, Buck, yes, uh, had his top surgery, but he did not have uh, his bottom surgery. And so... Here I am, totally captivated by this guy with a vagina who <laughs> is way more quote unquote masculine than the male counterpart who does have a penis. <laughs> and it was just so enlightening, so educational. And it made me question. It made me question gender identity and specifically masculinity, what that even means, if anything. Um, and so I I want to know, though, how you even got into the adult industry. Right. No, I appreciate what you just said. Thank you. Because, you know, when I did it, I was the first. I created the actual genre of trans male porn. Now, I know some people are out there going to be like, oh, big deal, dude, like porn. But it is a big deal. No, that's huge. It is. My pornography is not just pornography. It is really a means and a way for people who, it doesn't matter even if you're trans, people who have different types of bodies or even women who might have big clitorises and don't feel comfortable with it or men who have smaller penises and get, you know, my, my pornography is actually a way and a means to display a different type of body and create a space of, of, of positive sexuality around it and a positive feelings of, of your body. So really that's what my pornography did. And how I got in it was I was working in porn behind the scenes when I, I was married to a dominatrix and we would we would videotape her scenes and god I was making so much money back in the day dude VHS <laughs> you probably don't even know what VHS is <laughs> I had a few as a kid yeah <laughs> <laughs> right on we would make VHS custom-made trans I mean um dominatrix videos and sell those and mail them from the post office oh my god it was crazy but anyways from then I started working on a trans woman's website and then I just realized when I was looking at because trans women porn back in the day was huge and it still is but there was no trans male porn and I was like what and back in the day you know now these are derogatory statements but you know they're marketing and they're within pornography and they would say she male lady boy chicks with dicks and so I just basically marketed myself the opposite way 
and I created Buck Angel, the man with the pussy. And it just freaked, <laughs> it freaked <laughs> the world out. Like literally I got death threats. I got people wanting to like, you know, like hang me from trees. Like I got men writing in, you're a lady. You're not, I mean, just insane shit. Like I was challenging this idea of masculinity, which I didn't realize I was doing until men started being so pissed off at me about the fact that I was a man and that you can't be a man without a penis. And that, oh my God, I was like, wow, I just hit a nerve. Yeah. And I knew like I hit a nerve so hard that I was like, wait a minute, there's something else here. And then that's basically how I started. I started with really a going against a brick wall. And then eventually I just, you know, I started winning a lot of awards in the adult industry and I started making a name for myself and people started to see my work as something bigger than just pornography. And I'm, and I'm challenging. I challenged people's idea of stuff. Well, and why did you decide not to have your bottom surgery? Was that a conscious choice at the time? What, what, what was that? So really what it is, is, is back in the day, uh, I didn't have a lot of opportunity for that. It very, it was very rare. It, it was more in Europe. You could get it done here. are the ones I saw in the States, I just, I'm a perfectionist. And again, before I move forward, I just want to make this disclaimer. I am not anti-bottom surgery in any way, shape or form. I'm talking about me and why I didn't get it, but I want people to understand there are some guys out there that just need it. It's going to get rid of their dysphoria. They, for me, I realized that I didn't, I needed something that worked specifically like a cisgender man's penis. And they just didn't make that back in the day. They're getting better today. But so I had to realize that, hey, dude, you're not going to get some surgery. So am I look at me today, how I look, I'm like, is that really going to affect the way I feel as a man? And so I just realized that sex is great. I love it. And why do I feel so shamed by it? And I wasn't sharing it. And I just felt like sharing it with the world and saying, go fuck yourself. I'm yeah. comfortable with my body and I don't need to have a penis. And that's really kind of how it came. It, it came out of it came out of this desire to say to you, I don't need a penis and to put it in your face. And so that's really kind of how it all started. We put so much on genitalia and it doesn't matter. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You can be, you are obviously a prime example of someone who is extremely masculine and you have a vagina. And so that the idea that a penis is masculine is stupid. A penis is just a penis and we put right. on it what we want to put on it. Right. Uh, and so I think that that's really great, your work and all that you've done in that way. Thank you, my friend. And you know, it, it really did challenge men freaked out. Like, and today it still happens, you know, people are still very angry at me for challenging this idea of gender and realizing, you know, when I have to say people can be born without a penis, it does not make you a man. Or what if you God forbid, got testicular cancer or, you know, all these things that could affect your penis today. If you aren't disconnected from this idea that your penis is you, you're going to be screwed one day. And like, what about erectile dysfunction? Why do you think men go nuts when they can't get an erection? Because we put so much emphasis and that's the only thing that is your masculinity. And so I really want to help cisgender or biological men start to understand that your body and everything about you is masculine and your brain, it isn't just your penis. It's a very important space that we need to get into as men because we have been put so much pressure on us as men to have these penises and that's what runs everything about you as a man. And I think it's the reason why the world is kind of fucked up because men aren't allowed to be emotional. Men aren't allowed to cry. Men aren't allowed to just be loving and cuddle and you know what I mean? It always comes down to this penis thing. 
Yeah. And even on the flip side, vaginas aren't allowed to be masculine and yeah. you, you have to be submissive. You have to be the one that takes it. Like, yeah, exactly. All, Great. Yeah. And I, I am curious to just hear your ideas on kind of going off of this, what masculinity means to you. Like what, what it, does that even mean so as I far as you yourself? Yeah, that's a really great question, and I don't necessarily know if I can answer it other than the fact that masculinity to me is the way I feel, the way the world looks at me. It most definitely is attached to my presence and my physical presence. So my masculinity is really attached to how I how the world perceives me physically. So as you know, and you can see pictures of me, I'm hyper-masculine. And that, that, that being said, I was always sort of uh, uh, really um, obsessed with Tom of Finland-like men. And so that was always my dream to become G.I. Joe. Or th These were my things that I saw as a child of, of my desire to be masculine. So I most definitely was influenced by, by hyper-masculinity and muscles and, you know, this, this uh, beards and hairy chests. And these physical aspects to me are, are much, very much about masculinity. Now, with that said my own sort of uh, um, emotional state of masculinity for me is calmness mm. and directness and the desire to be compassionate and the desire to hear people. For me, that's my masculinity because prior to this, when I was in the female form and I thought I was masculine, I acted out a lot and I overcompensated for this idea that I needed to be more gruff or rough or, you know, talk a certain way or be ultra sort of um, invasive and what we like to call today toxic. That, that said, now as a man, I realize that's not masculine behavior. That's insecure behavior. Yes. And so today as a man and living physically so that the world sees me, my, my whole place has become much more calm and centered. And this is and how I want to be as a man and how I want the world to perceive masculinity in a way that's much more calm, less toxic in a way that we become more compassionate as human beings and men. And I want to know how you even get in that state and kind of going back to spirituality. I, what is your spirituality and what does that mean to you as well? And, and does that influence your state of being and your just your day-to-day -day life? Oh, totally. Spirituality for me is the universe. I'm again, not really organized religion at this point, though. I think it's great for people and I think there's great aspects to it. But for me, it's always about energy. I'm a very much of an energy person. Uh, I'm a ritual type person. So I take different things from different types of uh, religions or spaces such as Buddhism and that, and even Judaism. And I sort of apply that to my life in a way of, of always making sure that I'm giving, that I'm giving back. That, so for me, spirituality is being in touch with my own heart as well as the outside world and always being conscious of energies and what you put out in the world is what you get back. I know that sounds very cliche and very, <laughs> sorry, but it's real. Just no, I believe it. Yeah. yeah. If you put out positive stuff out in the world, you're going to get negativity. It's, you know, if you've seen me all over the place, people attack me constantly, but what I what because they don't like what I say, or people are so opinionated that they just think their opinion is right. That said, what you put out and what I put out is what I want to get back in the world. And for me, that's spirituality. And for me, that's creating a space of love and acceptance and education and letting people learn from us. Those are all in part of spirituality for me. And so in my home, I try to meditate at least once a day here and, you know, sort of just think and sit inside myself 
and try to figure out the things that maybe I need to work on. You know, that's part of spirituality is figuring out what you need to work on for yourself. What are you doing now to help others? What are the many things that you are doing <laughs> to help others? <laughs> well, you know, I am. I'm all. I'm Trampa. The kids call me Trampa. You know what I mean? Like I, for me today, I I create a lot of products. So I create a sexual wellness product for transgender men to help them masturbate in a way that feels more masculine. So I started to create products for my for my for my community that didn't exist. I created the world's first transgender male, you know, sex products. Then I create I started to create more products like uh like wellness products for us, like even a beard lube. I just created a beard lube. I created a wash for us. I create I'm creating products to get into the mainstream world. If that if people don't understand like your communities most all have products. There's products for men, there's products for women, there's products for Latina communities or Latin there's no products out on the market that specifically for transgender people. And this is something that you sort of take advantage of when you walk into a shop and you can go into the men's section, you can go into that, the, you know, so creating products for my community, what that does is it gives us visibility in a wider space. Not only that, what I do is I, I spend a lot of time with the kids and I do a show called Trampa 101 and I talk about my transition 24 years ago and the things that happened to me so kids can start looking out for these things. I built a website called ftmhealth.com where I built a pamphlet so the kids can start to feel more comfortable going to doctors with the terminology that they need or the, you know, the help for the doctor. I created a pamphlet for gynecologists so that they know what to do. And a trans man walks in the door. Um, I just really stay really visible and out there in order to create change for the outside world so that they understand us a little bit more. Where can people find you? What are the best places to reach you and to see all the amazing work and also reach out to you if they so want to? Right on. So I'm, I'm really active on Instagram. So if you go to Instagram, Buck Angel, and DM me, I'm right on that. Also email, go to buckangel.com. You can reach me from there. I'm also on Twitter, Buck Angel, and I'm also on Facebook. Uh, uh, I think it's official Buck Angel, but I don't really use Facebook much, <laughs> just so you know. Not a fan. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people aren't using Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> right on. <laughs> So, so, so many topics. I could have another full-length episode breaking down this episode. However, I shall try to keep my takeaways to a small number. Okay, here are my main takeaways. Number one, you don't just get saved. You have to be willing to participate. Number two, if you are struggling, the first step is to acknowledge those struggles. Then please reach out to someone. If you don't have anyone in your immediate circle you can talk with, reach out to a therapist. However, if you need to talk with someone right here, right now, I always post helplines in the show notes. Number three, therapy is an amazing tool, but you have to find a therapist that will empower you, like Buck did. So make sure you do your research and find someone who is going to support and uplift you. You don't only deserve that, but you need that. Number four, a penis is a penis. A vagina is a vagina. Neither are inherently masculine or feminine. That is society, not science. Like why has society dictated it is socially acceptable to wear bows in your hair as long as you have a vagina? Think about that a second. It's bizarre. 
Like, nobody should be looking at a bow in someone's hair and be able to directly relate that to their genitalia. What? No one's genitalia should determine how they are allowed to act, look, sound, or dress. That is crazy. That is almost as absurd as Regina King not receiving awards for her performance in HBO's Watchmen. Yeah. Yeah, I said it. Number five. The cool thing about masculinity and femininity is that our society just made that shit up. And because of that, we can change that shit. Like, for example, no one acts gay. And no one acts like a man or a woman or a non-binary person. Because each person under those labels is different. And each of those differences is valid and true for each individual person. So in short, just be yourself. And the act of being yourself makes your identity true. That's a little trippy, but uh, yeah. Number six. Spirituality looks different depending on the person. So don't judge your spirituality based on someone else's. It is something special and personal to you and you alone. And you are worthy of spirituality. Ugh, golly, Miss Molly. What a fun and enlightening interview. I hope this discussion makes you think and examine how you perceive concepts society has created. And hey, if you are failing at meeting society's standards... Just stop trying. You are amazing just as you are. I have posted links in the show notes for Buck Angel. Please check those out. And make sure to follow this podcast. Subscribe. Comment. It would be amazing if you would leave a review. And definitely reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. Let me know what you thought of these topics and if there are any topics you would specifically like to hear discussed. You can reach me at the email in the show notes or on social media at have a blessed gay on all the platforms. And as you go on with your day, just remember this. You are special. You are purposeful. And you are fucking beautiful. Have a blessed gay, y'all.